So it, it ended up, you know, uh, where Jacob and his mother uh, kind of succeed in uh, deceiving uh, Isaac. And so Esau's mad at uh, his brother for stealing his birthright and his, uh, and his blessing both. And so uh, Jacob is now kind of on the run, so to speak. Uh, and he's going to go look for his uh, uncle Laban. Uh, so that was the the uh, the solution that uh, Rebecca came up with that he would go live with his uncle Laban for a few days and then come back but we know we know the story we know that she's never going to see actually going to see him again so we're going to pick up uh, where he's kind of uh, on his way on the run right now So let's pray. Uh, Father, we just uh, just thank you for um, we just thank you for who you are and Lord that uh, that we could come and um, see how you deal with these uh, folks uh, in the book of Genesis and we can uh, really begin to understand uh, the grace that you have for us has been there uh, from the very beginning. So, Father, we just pray that uh, your spirit would teach us tonight and we would uh, grow closer to you. Just pray this in Jesus' name. Okay, so we're going to be going through Genesis uh, 28 and 29, actually. So we've got a lot of territory to cover tonight, but it's it reads almost like a novel. So we're going to, a lot of it will read just like that. So... We left off last week at Genesis 28.10. So let's just go ahead and read from there. It says, Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went towards Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. So he's went about 45 miles. So if you're walking 45 miles in a day, uh, that's a pretty good clip. And he took uh, one of the stones of that place and put it at his head, and he laid, laid down in that place to sleep. Uh, so they actually used it kind of like a stone for a pillow, but really it was kind of a weapon also. So if, you, if you're sleeping outside, you got this stone. If, uh, you know, something or someone came to attack you in the middle of the night, you could kind of use your pillow as a, as a weapon. It says, uh, then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven, and there the angels of God were ascending and descending uh, on it. So number one, Jacob saw a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven, and there the angels were ascending and descending on it. So in verse 11, it says, and behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. Uh, the land in which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also, your descendants shall be as dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad uh, to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And in you, and, and in your seed, all families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and keep you wherever you go. So that's 
that's something that we kind of take for granted right now, that phrase. But uh, basically, uh, in ancient times, in this time, everybody kind of had like a local God. I think, I think when we talked in the book of Joshua a long time ago, um, the Ninevites had their local God, Dagon, the fish God. And so, for example, if a Ninevite would leave uh, Nineveh, if he got too far away from Nineveh, he'd get too far away from his God. So the God was kind of local to an area. And so when this is in here in verse 15, it says, Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. That was to distinguish the God of the universe from all these other pagan gods that were around. He says, And will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have uh, spoken uh, to you. So this whole idea of the ladders with angels, uh, Jesus actually talks about this in uh, John. So we're just going to go there, and I want to read that. So starting at uh, John chapter 1, starting at verse uh, 43. So Jesus is going to have this little... uh, interaction with Nathaniel. And so starting at 43, it says, The following day Jesus went to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, We found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Uh, and Philip said to him, Come and see. So Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite uh, uh, who is of no deceit. And then at verse 48, Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? And Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. And Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, Hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So we're basically talking about the same thing here. So number two, uh, number two, let me go back. Uh, Jesus said to Nathanael, you shall see a heaven open in the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. So back in uh, Genesis, uh, in verse 16, Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? So number four, uh, Jacob woke up from his dream and he was afraid. So... um, uh, Proverbs uh, 1-7 uh, if 
you want to go there, I can just read it to you. But the number five is Proverbs 1, 7. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And so basically this is Jacob kind of striking out on his own, right? He's striking out on his own and, uh, and uh, he's kind of getting his own faith now. He's not getting the faith from Abraham or from Isaac, but it's on his own. So he's had this dream and he woke up. And the first thing we know is that he was, he was afraid, so, uh, which is a normal thing. So it says, it says, there is none other than, this is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So Jacob rose early in the morning and took a stone, uh, took a stone, And, and that he had put on his head, he set up a pillar, and he poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of the place Bethel. The name of the city had been Luz uh, previously. So it's kind of interesting. Like, remember when Abraham, when he first got into Canaan, uh, he basically was at Bethel, or the house of God. And then he went into Egypt, and he had some problems. And uh, when he came out of Egypt the place he went back to was Bethel, the house of God. So here we got Jacob, who's kind of in trouble right now, right? He's sort of on the run from his brother, so he doesn't get killed. And where does he end up? He ends up in Bethel, or the house of God. And I think I think that happens uh, to a lot of people in the current time right now. You know, they get in trouble, and you know, and they're basically uh, maybe your life is in a mess or whatever, and and people will come and they end up in the house of God trying to find the answers, right? And so it's kind of interesting that uh, that that Jacob ends up in this place. And so uh, number six is it says Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, "Surely the Lord is in this place." But I did not know it, and uh, so um, it's kind of like Jacob has this revelation from this dream that you know, hey, God's here; He's been here, and I didn't actually even realize it. And so there's a a bunch of verses in the Bible that kind of speak to this. Okay. Uh, so I just want to go through those verses. Uh, Deuteronomy um, uh, 6.31, it says, uh, Be strong and have good courage. Do not fear or be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Okay? So in other words, even though then you're in the middle of something, God's still there. All right, God's still there, and uh, this whole thing, uh, whole theme, gets repeated, you know, uh, throughout the Bible. And I just picked a few of them. There's actually more than what I'm going to go through here. So the next one is First uh, Samuel twelve twenty two. It says, "For the Lord will not forsake His people for His great name's sake, because He is. It has pleased the Lord." to make you his people. So it's it's more than God will not leave you or forsake you. In other words, 
God's reputation is on the line here is what they're telling us in uh, in First Samuel. It says, for his great name's sake. In other words, God is God. He's the God Almighty. And so he's not going to leave you because it'll make him look bad, okay? So God is great is basically what it's saying. So in First Chronicles, uh, it talks, David's talking to his son Solomon. He says, be strong and of good courage and do it. Do not fear or be dismayed for the Lord God, my God, will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you until you have finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. So you see this thing. God's not going to leave us. He's not going to forsake us. And then we jump to the New Testament. In uh, Hebrews uh, 13, 5 and 6 says, Let your conduct be without covetousness. And we know what covetousness is, right? That means you're wanting something. And it's more than uh, uh, like a simple want, like, you know, like I got a new car and I really liked a new car and I'd like to get another one just like it for my wife, right? But to covet it would mean that I would want it so much that I'd be willing to maybe steal some money to get it. In other words, I'd be, uh, I would want to break one of the other Ten Commandments. I'm thinking about breaking one of the other Ten Ten Commandments so that I could get that new car. So that's the difference between wanting something a whole lot and coveting something because you're ready to right, to break one of the other Ten Commandments to get it. So he says, let, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Okay. That's kind of good because it adds to it. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? If you think this kind of relates back to the situation that Jacob's in, right? He's worried about his brother going to kill him or whatever. So he's on his way. So who can you can only imagine the things that were going through uh, Jacob's mind. But, you know, he gets the revelation. Hey, you know, God's here, and I, I didn't even realize it. And I think it's real easy, at least for me anyway, to be in the middle of something and forget about that. You know, hey, God's here. It doesn't matter what kind of turmoil I'm going through. And so there is some comfort if you can take a breath, you know, and think, hey, you know, God is here. So Jesus brings it up, actually. You know, Jesus said, basically, at the end of the book of Matthew, the last thing he tells his disciples, he's saving the best for last, right? Uh, and he's kind of giving them instructions uh, before he uh, before he goes back to heaven. It says in verse 18, it says, Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things I have commanded you, and lo, what? I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Okay? So Jesus is just, refer, uh, just reaffirming everything that we've, that we've talked about, you know, that Jesus is with us always, and here he's kind of doing it in the Great Commission where he, wants us to go 
tell other people. You know, and I think uh, a lot of times, even in our culture, people are kind of uh, hesitant to, you know, maybe have a voice for God. But it's kind of like uh, we're kind of like Jacob if we're holding back, because Jesus is saying, "Hey, you know what? I'm here with you always." So, back in Genesis 28, starting verse 16. <clears throat> Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm, we've kind of read this, but kind of get us back into the back into Genesis again. We took a little detour. So back in 28, uh, 16, it says, Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he, has, and he was afraid. How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this the gate of heaven. And Jacob arose early in the morning and took a stone that he had put to his head and set it up as a pillow and poured oil on top of it and called the name of the place Bethel. Uh, but the name of the city had been Luz previously. So it's actually the same Bethel that we've talked about. But I think Moses added some editorial comment in here for people back in the day reading it. I mean, the fact that it was Luz probably doesn't mean a whole bunch to us. But it's the same Bethel that uh, Abraham uh, went to. Remember, we had Abraham at uh, Bethel and, uh, and Lot going towards Ai. So verse 16, uh, Jacob... <clears throat> oh, gosh, I got this twice. So number 8, uh, it's uh, Jacob made a vow... Uh, but God had already promised to bring him back to the promised land. You remember at the very beginning, uh, in in the dream itself, uh, God had promised uh, Jacob to uh, uh, that he was going to basically fulfill everything that he had told uh, Abraham and Isaac. So for whatever reason, though, um, uh, uh, Jacob had uh, he made a vow. So, uh, so Jacob went on his journey and came to the land of the people of the east, and he came and he looked and he saw a well in the field. Behold, there was three flocks of sheep lying by it, for out of that well they watered the flocks. A large stone was on the well's mouth. Now all the flocks would be gathered there, and they would roll a stone. Uh, from the well's mouth, uh, water the sheep, and put the stone back in its place on the well's mouth. So water is a commodity, kind of like same as it is here in California. They got the big, they got the well, and uh, they would roll a stone off. They would water the animals. They roll a stone back on, so you wouldn't have water evaporating away. So verse four, and Jacob said to them, "My brethren, uh, where are you from?" And they said, we are from Haran. Remember, Jacob's just kind of wandering. He doesn't really know where he's at. And then he said to them, do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, we know him. So he said to them, is he well? And they said, he is well. And look, his daughter Rachel is coming with the sheep. Uh, then he said, uh, look, it's, it's still high day. It's not time for the... It is not time for the cattle to be gathered together. Water the sheep and go feed them. But they said, 
We cannot until all the flocks are gathered together and they have rolled the stone from the well's mouth. Uh, Then we water the sheep. So Jacob shows up. I mean, he doesn't even know these people and he's trying to tell them how to, you know, (laughs) do business. So, but that's just Jacob, right? Um, uh, He's kind of a knucklehead, actually. Uh, Verse 9, it says, Now he was still speaking to them, and Rachel came with her father's sheep, uh, uh, for she was the uh, a shepherdess. Okay, remember, this is kind of like the same thing. Remember when uh, Eliezer went to find a wife, for Isaac, and uh, Rebecca was tending the animals there. And, you know, they had all kinds of women's liberation back in the day because that was the job of the women to, you know, to handle uh, the livestock. That's just the way it was. In verse 10, as it came to pass, when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. And then Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted his voice and wept. I think Jacob was just kind of overwhelmed at the fact that he made it safe, you know, from uh, Beersheba to Haran. Because remember, he was kind of like an inside guy. He wasn't a real outdoorsman. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's relative and that she was Rebecca's son. So she ran and told her father. So we're getting ready to start interacting with Uncle Laban. Uncle Laban is um, just a... You know, we know that Jacob was a deceiver, right? Him and his mother together were, but um, uh, Uncle Laban, he's going to make Jacob uh, look like an angel. So so anyway, she's one off and told Uncle Laban, hey, this guy's here. So verse 13, then it came to pass when Laban heard the report about Jacob, his sister's son, that he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. So he told Laban all these things. So he must have went through, you know, why he's there. I I wonder if he told him, you know, my mom and I got together, we tricked dad, I got the blessing, now my brother's mad at me, trying to kill me, so I'm kind of coming here, going to lay low for a while, right? I don't know if all that got transpired, but he says he told Laban all these things. And Laban said to him, uh, Surely you are my bone and my flesh. And he stayed with him uh, for a month. Okay. So after the story, Laban, you know, if you stop and think about it, we got some guy you never met before, shows up at your at your house and says, you know, I'm your relative. And so he listens to his story and he decides, yeah, you really are who you say you are. He couldn't, like, Google him or anything like that. So so he stayed with him for a month. And So now Uncle Laban, uh, after a month, you know, Jacob's just kind of hanging out, right? He's not doing anything. He's just sitting around. So in uh, verse 15, Then Laban said to Jacob, uh, 
because you are my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing? <laughs> it's kind of like his his way of saying, uh, you need to go to work and I'll and I'll pay you. He says, tell me, what should your wages be? Now Laban had two daughters, and the name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. And Leah's eyes were delicate, but Rachel was a was beautiful of form and appearance. So everything that I can read is that, that I read about verse 17, which says, Leah's eyes were delicate. Uh, that was the politically correct way back in the day to say that, you know, Leah might not have been that good looking. And so if if that was the case, and he said, well, you know, she had really beautiful eyes. But Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. And uh, now Jacob loved Rachel. So he said, I will serve you seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. And so I'm thinking Laban probably had some idea that this might come up. Because he's probably been watching uh, Jacob, you know, for the past month and seeing what's going on. And so Jacob makes this offer. Hey, you know, I'll serve you for seven years uh, if I can marry Rachel. So verse 19, and Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than I should give her to another man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and it seemed like only a few days to him because of the love he had for her. So he was like, really, Rachel was where it was at. I mean, mean, he was totally in love with her. So seven years went by just like that. Uh, Then Jacob, verse 21, Then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled that I may go into her. And Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. Now it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to Jacob. And he went into her, and Laban gave his maid Zilpah to his daughter Leah as a maid. So... I don't know. There's probably a good chance they were drinking some wine or whatever. And so Uncle Laban takes his older daughter and and they you know, they wore the, the veils. So it was a I mean it's a very good chance that you know, Jacob had no idea what was going on. I mean there was a woman there, she had a veil, he probably had uh drank some wine and uh so he actually sleeps with um, with uh, Leah. So in verse 25, it, so it came to pass in the morning that behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, uh, what is it you've done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served you? Why have you deceived me? So, hmm. So <laughs> Jacob's kind of getting getting something. He's going to pay back, yeah. And Laban said, it must not be done so in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Fulfill her week. And in the Old Testament, they talk about a week. It's a, seven, it's, a, it's a period of seven something. Okay, it could be seven days. It could be seven years. In this case here, they actually clarified in the scripture. He says, fulfill her week and we will give you this one also for the service which you will serve with me still another seven years. So number nine, 
uh, Jacob deceived his father uh, younger for older, remember? And now Laban deceived Jacob uh, the older for the younger. So uh, the next one is uh, number 10 is Galatians 6, 7, which is uh, kind of a... uh, It applies to this. It just applies to everything. It's a very good verse to remember. It says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. And so the the analogy of sowing and reaping, I mean, if you, you know, if you, uh, if you plant, you know, uh, strawberries, you get strawberries. If you plant apples, you get apples. You know, so if you, if you plant some sort of a uh, sin and then you get sin, you know, you sow to the wind and you reap a whirlwind. So back in Genesis, then Jacob did so and fulfilled her week. Uh, so, so in other words, he did another seven years and he gave him his daughter, Rachel as a wife also. And Laban gave his maid Bilhah to his daughter, Rachel as a maid. Then Jacob went into Rachel, and he also loved Rachel more than Leah, and he served with Laban still another seven years. So he's been there a total of 14 years now. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, and actually uh, that the word unloved actually means hated. Uh, I mean, I read that several when I was studying this out several different times. When, when the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. So Leah conceived and bore a son, and, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, the Lord has surely looked on my affliction. Uh, now therefore my husband will love me. Then she conceived again and bore a son and said, because the Lord has uh, heard that I am unloved, he has therefore given me this son also. So she called his name uh, Simeon. Uh, She conceived again and bore a son and said, Now this time my husband will be attached to me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore his name was called Levi. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, Now I will praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah. Then she stopped bearing so what we're starting to see is the what eventually is going to be uh, the twelve tribes of Israel. Uh, so, um, so that's the end of chapter twenty-nine. And uh, the thing that I find interesting about this whole scene with uh, Jacob is that when uh, he when he had the dream that when God spoke to him, there was no mention of what had happened in the deception of his father Isaac. There was uh, no mention of that at all. And the only thing that he really brought up was is he just renewed his promises uh, to Jacob that he had made to Abraham and Isaac. And so it it... I mean, last week we saw probably the worst of humanity, and this week we kind of see 
the best of God. And the farther we get into this, the more and more we um, read, uh, we're going to see that all these folks that are in the stories are really a lot like us, you know, exactly like us. And uh, if we were to, you know, judge those people on our own, they would all be guilty. Uh, But God doesn't, God gives grace. And so you see this idea of grace uh, throughout the whole book of Genesis. And we're going to spend some time with uh, Jacob and uh, we'll see that, uh, you know, just like with Abraham had his problems and Isaac had his problems, Jacob's going to have his problems just as we have our problems. But uh, God is good, you know, so let's pray. Father, we just thank you for um, who you are and we see how you deal with these uh, folks in the Old Testament. And Lord, your word tells us that uh, that this was written for our learning and it's to, for us to learn about who you are and to grow closer to you and just know that you're God Almighty. And Lord, we know that you will never uh, leave us or forsake us, that you're with us uh, even till the end of the age. And Father, we just thank you for that. And Lord, I just pray that we could remember that this week as we go out and we do what we do. And Lord, that we could uh, be uh, witnesses for you. Just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.